Before we get into this episode, one, thank you for listening. Two, Max's mom got COVID, pushing him into a hostile road environment where he didn't have his typical Wi-Fi. So after we recorded our first segment of this episode, which is what we think the Thunder and a couple other pick-rich teams should do with all of their trade assets, Max's internet went down and we were unable to do our 2021 draft redraft so that's coming soon but we wanted to just drop this mini pod for you max's mom's immune system is underrated oppenheimer is overrated Dirk podcast, fuck a preamble. Teams that have absurd numbers of trade assets, draft picks, young talent, specifically the Oklahoma City Thunder, New Orleans Pelicans. I'm also interested in Brooklyn, Houston, and Utah, but I think they're going to be less central to this conversation. Um, because as we've talked about a little bit in the last couple episodes, OKC actually has to make some decisions sooner rather than later. Um, that you just can't have. 35 draft picks on one basketball team. And so they've got to make some choices. They've got to decide pretty soon, like which picks they're combining to get, which guys, which of their young players they want to max and keep long-term. We're calling this segment cashing chips because OKC is the king of the table right now in the NBA. It's prime off season content time. And yes, Cash in these chips, Oklahoma City, well-documented. They've got 35 picks over the next seven drafts. That probably sounds a lot better than it is because a lot of those are seconds, but they still have an insane amount of assets and first-round picks coming from teams where they might actually be good picks like Houston and the Clippers in the few years. You don't know what's going to happen there with Paul George and Kawhi. But yeah, all these teams are very interesting. OKC we can start with. Yeah, And they, I mean, it was the summer of 2019 when both of these trades for OKC and New Orleans went down. Anthony Davis going to the Lakers, Paul George going to the Clippers. And they got absurd hauls of both young players and draft talent. Starting with OKC, they probably, well, they now have the best player from that deal in Shea Gilgis-Alexander. And then on top of that, they have a boatload of first-round picks and swaps coming. They made separate deals in the Chris Paul for Russell Westbrook swap, where they both traded Russell Westbrook for Chris Paul, and Chris Paul is was immediately the next season a better player. And then on top of getting the better player, they also got two first-round picks from Houston. So they have two separate trades where there were these big salary swaps and they got both the best player and all the draft picks. So OKC is in an interesting position going forward. They're a team that should compete for the playoffs this coming season. They lost in the second play-in game this year. And in Shea Gilders-Alexander, they have a bona fide star at the very least who could ascend to being a superstar, someone in that top 20 range of NBA players. And then on top of that, we talked about their young core in the last episode, but they've got Chad Holmgren, Jalen Williams, Josh Giddy, all these other interesting young pieces. So what was the first thing that came to mind for you in terms of how they can best try to build this roster around Shea and some of their young guys and effectively cash in some of these trade chips? Vasilye Micic. No, we should talk about him at some point, though, because I've been watching some highlights. Uh, 
I, the, like, I think the swing piece for me, the way I see this roster right now in this young core is Josh Giddy because mm-hmm. I, I love everything about Josh Giddy. But if, if he can't be um, a serviceable off ball player, like if, if, if you aren't, if teams are, are fully disrespecting him when he doesn't have the ball in his hands, uh, it's going to be hard to figure out a way for him to play with SGA and Jalen Williams long-term good as, as Giddy is already and how, and how promising he's looked his first two years in the league. I think we both agree that J-Dub is just a, a higher level of prospect. That's more about Jalen Williams. And so um, SGA and Jalen Williams, both guys who are capable of hitting an open three, they're both hesitant shooters. Like part of what makes them so good is that they're always looking to get something higher percentage in the paint that they'll shoot it, but it really has to kind of be the last option, Um, maybe end of the shot clock, or they're just really feeling it. They're on a heater. So they'll take an early shot clock three. Um, But they are the two on ball guys that presumably you're building around. And there are pieces around the league. Let's just say very randomly, like Trey Murphy on the Pelicans, like the, the, if, if the, if the Thunder called up the Pelicans and said, you know, Josh Getty for Trey Murphy, the Pelicans have a meeting about it. They might even, they might even be really high on Josh Getty and, and say, can we figure this out before the phone call is over? And then you get a guy like Trey Murphy and, OKC, who is an awesome catch and shoot player, can attack closeouts, do all those like secondary score things uh, and definitely doesn't need to dribble the ball much. And he's he's a much more seamless fit with J-Dub and Shea. So since Shea and Jalen Williams are already so advanced with the ball in their hands, it just has me thinking a lot about where Giddy fits into the future here. Because right. uh, just just the last thing I'll say is like Chet doesn't need the ball. Chet, you know, if Chet stays healthy and he's the guy that so many people think he is, he's fine. You can plug and play him on any roster. Yeah. So they're a team that basically at every position has tried to to craft a lineup of guys who are big and can play make for their position across the board. And you brought up Chet. I think that's the main difference between them last year and this year, besides any internal improvement is just Chet being dropped into this whole mix. And I mean, the ideal version of Chet as someone who can protect the rim, hit threes, play, make in the half court, kind of open up their offense a little bit more is, I, I mean, I'm very excited to see what he looks like. I think a big question they need to figure out going forward is, is he a full-time center? Because, He's skinny, and as a team, they're kind of a skinny team. There have been some off-season photos coming out of Jalen Williams looking like he's bulked up, and Lou Dort is a brick house. But that's a question they need to figure out going forward, if they're going to want to have a too-big approach or if Chet at the five is viable for them long-term. And then I think not just cashing in their trade chips, but they might want to think about consolidating some of their young assets because they have an absurd amount of young talent, as we described in the last episode. And perhaps even too much, like they're going to have to cut some guys before training camp who other teams are going to very happily scoop up. And I think they're kind of right for a superstar trade. They've been thrown around in the Dame conversations by sort of more nerdy NBA types, but they have so many draft picks, so many young players. They could trade for someone like Dame or Mikhail Bridges was another name I thought of if Brooklyn decides they want to sort of go for a full tank where if they take – you know, maybe one of these young guys and all the picks or just, you know, some of the picks, they don't even have to trade them all. They don't even have to include the young guy. They can just use salary filler, whether that's Lou Dort, although he's more than filler, he's a, he's a solid asset, but it seems like they could be ripe for a superstar trade, kind of looking at 
the Cleveland model, that's Jerry's still out on whether that's successful, but when you have a good young core and then you add sort of a young star to it as well. So, I mean, Dame makes sense for them. He doesn't fit with their organizational vision of size at every position, but just adding that shooter and sort of supernova talent to the rest of the stuff they have is just extremely intriguing to me. Yeah, I think as a Blazers fan, like I'm just projecting some self-loathing onto like the Dame contract because he's obviously still a really good asset. It, it really depends philosophically how you think about his contract, how you predict he'll age. Um, but we've talked about it before. The way Steph has looked the last year or two, I, I think really adds value to this Dame situation. And yeah, Dame was one of the best 10 guys in the league this year. His team wasn't good, but that's because he had a really bad team. I, nobody thinks Dame is a losing player. I think people, we just disagree over whether um, you can build a, a champion with him making 50 a year or whatever. I agree with you. Like if I was a Thunder fan, I would not like I would not be going all in on Dame. I would I would be yeah. waiting for someone else. In fact, if I were the Thunder, I think I would be more interested in cashing in on like sort of the residue of the Dame trade. There there's so many pieces that are going to fall when the Dame domino finally drops. Uh yeah. And if yeah, I think Presti will probably be more interested in in stealing a good player uh in the wake of that of that storm as opposed to um you know getting dame himself yeah and the other thing with dame and what they'll have to consider going forward is they kind of have a, a good problem on their hands where they've drafted so well that they have to save space to be able to max out these guys like shay's gonna get a, a super max on his next contract jalen williams i think is is probably gonna get whatever his max is whenever his extension comes up giddy is a little more up in the air but there's a universe where he's going towards a max contract as well and as a future all-star same thing with Chet although that's a little bit further away and you know we've seen in the past with the Thunder that they haven't wanted to max out all those guys when they had Russ and Harden and Durant and Ibaka they didn't want to pay all them maybe they've learned from that mistake maybe they haven't but it might squeeze them a little bit if they trade for one of these big money guys and then don't have the money down the road to pay some of their younger guys. So that kind of led me more to thinking that they kind of just need to tweak around the margins. I thought of a name like Grant Williams, someone of that yeah. type who's like a big beefy guy who can supplement some of their like sort of roster wide skinniness between Shea and Chet and some of their other players, someone who can allow Chet to, patrol the rim, but not have to guard sort of the big bruising centers and then still be able to stretch out the floor. Maybe like something in the Aaron Gordon mold, Jeremy Grant's one, although his contract right. is big, but like on a smaller scale, I was thinking Grant Williams as someone who could fill that void, although he just got a new contract. But I think that's kind of in general, I think looking forward to how this team's going to look in the playoffs. I think they may be exposed a bit by their lack of shooting and their lack of strength kind of throughout the lineup and, you know, playoffs physical and they're going to sort of leave your non-shooters open. Like I always think back to the Knicks Cavs series where they just didn't pay attention to Evan Mobley or Isaac Okoro or Jared Allen, anyone really besides Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland. And the Cavs didn't have enough shooting up and down the lineup to make them pay for that. I do wonder if that can be the case for the Thunder. They're sort of still skilled enough and, and smart enough that they can cut and they can pass and they can move and be demons in transition in a way that they can make up for it. But I do wonder if that can be exposed a bit. So some individual player who can contribute both shooting and strength, I think is what they need to get, which is why I thought of Grant. Yeah. Shea, Jalen, Giddy, Kaysen. It's a lot of talented young 
uh, ball handlers. Kaysen, even though I think his ceiling is sig- significantly lower than Giddy's, he he makes more sense as a fit next to those ball dominant guys, just because Kaysen's a really good catch and shoot player already, and he's cheaper. Like Giddy's going to be really expensive really soon. So yeah, I, I agree with you though about getting some bulk in there. And as I keep coming back to the thing that I'm just worried about right now is shooting. Yeah, ironically, because this trade led to all of this, the guy who I think could be perfect for them, like the perfect archetype is like a prime Paul George yeah. um, of someone who can play off the ball, shoot, defend, play up positions. That guy, you know, that the archetype doesn't, there isn't someone who quite fits that in the league right now. You know, Paul George is, is probably aged a little bit past, although, you know, who knows, maybe the Clippers don't extend him and he becomes gettable again, but you have to think he'd probably go somewhere else. But yeah, I mean, also when you're in the West, you have to think about contending with Jokic for the next five to 10 years. You got to think about Anthony Davis for the next five years or so. And they got to make sure that they have the requisite size to be able to deal with that. And then, you know, what does this team do if someone throws a zone at them? Like if if they they can't shoot and they can't like penetrate in the same way. But we are getting ahead of ourselves because that's thinking of them like as a playoff team and how far they can get. I do think there'll be a playoff team this year. I don't know if you agree. I think that they probably will be a play in team this year. Uh, I'm not ready to say playoff. They could have taken Jordan Hawkins in the first round this year, and he probably would have helped them right away. But I respect that they stayed in talent acquisition mode, said, no, we we probably just have Kaysen in a higher tier. And so we're going to package what could have been the Hawkins pick and something else to go up and get Kaysen, got Kaysen a 10. Uh, and I, again, like, I love it. I, re- I respect that they're just trying to stack talent. But at, one po- at what point isn't, is this not a 2K my team anymore? At what point are we thinking about like our closing five and like the seven or eight guys that we're going to ride with in the playoffs. McCall is a really nice fit. Um, Yeah. But I feel like the Nets McCall price is just so absurdly high right now. And so it's like, what would the Thunder actually need to give Brooklyn? Does the Thunder's bevy of assets actually start to work against them in trade negotiations at some point? Because Sean Marks can just keep pointing to another pick and say, like, <laughs> I know it means nothing to you. You're a trillionaire. Just give me one, your 2029 20, first. That probably won't even be good because you'll be one of the best teams in the league by then. Right. Yeah, I agree. Um, that's all I have on OKC. Do you want to move to New Orleans? Yeah, Trey Zion. That's your take? <laughs> My take is more complicated they have the depth i think they're one of the deeper teams in the nba they have one of the better rosters in the league in terms of how deep they go they could probably go about 12 deep with guys who would be in nba rotations they have the dynamic duo in theory with brandon ingram and zion zion is very rarely on the court but we saw last year when he was they were the number one seed in the west he was an unstoppable offensive force looked like you know a top 10 to 15 player in the league when he was healthy last year and and has pretty much whenever he's been healthy, key caveat there at the end. And they have the ginormous pile of assets from both the Anthony Davis trade and the Drew Holiday trade. First round picks coming from both those teams in the next few years. I think, you know, you said trade Zion. I think this is, they have to have like a line in the sand. This is the year where we have to figure out if we can build around Zion. You'd say that die's probably been cast already. The ship has sailed. I'd say I'd like to see one more year just because the talent level is so damn high. And I don't think you're going to get close to that sort of aggregate talent level in a return in a trade, as opposed to what he can be if he does stay on the court or if he can stay on the court and, you know, rebuild his value for a year, you know, off season, he's saying all the right things. Uh, but we'll see because I- I'm not going to buy it until I see him on the court and he still definitely looks a little 
over his ideal weight. But I think for them coming out of this year, a successful season is just knowing which path they're going to take of, is this the guy for us or is it not? Because they can't just be caught in this limbo of every season going in, just fingers crossed that Zion stays healthy because the rest of the team is ready to contend. If you can get that star to pair with Brennan Ingram and they have him on the team, you just can't stay healthy. I think Brennan Ingram also has another like half level to hit so that I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade Brennan Ingram right now. Like I, I think the Blazers, if they traded for Brandon Ingram right now, that trade would age really well uh, because he was kind of bounced from the postseason early enough last year in the play-in, obviously, that we didn't get to see him um, do what he was doing in play-in games in the playoffs, in which case I think his stock would be even higher than what it is now. He's so advanced as a playmaker. His shot has come. He's a mid-range demon. I feel like teams respect Ingram's three-point shot, and he's just like one of the better three-level scorers and also can create for his offense. Um, So I'm not advocating for the Pelicans becoming bad. If I were a Pelicans fan, I would think long and hard about trying to trade Zion for Dame. I don't know if Portland's doing that right now because they're just too worried about the volatility of Zion as an asset. Um, But I would love to get Dame for Zion if I were New Orleans. And I would just be shifting my focus more to like B.I., Trey Murphy, Dyson Daniels developing. um, And we really like Jordan Hawkins, I assume, you know, Alvarado, like all and Herb Jones, all the good young high motor pieces that they have guys that all look like they're winning players in some capacity. I would, I would be, I would be trying to figure out just how can we cut our losses with Zion because someone's taking a risk on Zion. I'm, I'm really excited to see like what happens with Dyson Daniels and some of the other players who have just like the first couple of years of their careers have been under the rain cloud of is Zion going to play what's going on on Twitter with Zion. Is he in shape? Is he not? Is he okay? And I, I think that really wears on you. There's been so much talk about like Joel Embiid and the shitstorm that he's had to deal with um, from a PR perspective year to year in Philly. Is Ben Simmons going to play? Is Harden really done? And it just makes you not want to go to work anymore. And I, I think like the Pelicans have some real young juice, guys that um, would be really fun to build a young uh, competitive team around. And the whole Zion situation is just taken away from that. So yeah, I'm actually at the point where I think Dyson Daniels is a better prospect than Zion Williamson. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, their young core is very strong. I think I agree they'd be a perfect Dame team. They have a couple different ways they could go about it. They could do it with Zion or with Brandon Ingram. Brandon Ingram would probably be a bad idea, but they could do it with Zion. Or they could do it with sort of their bevy of picks and and sort of CJ and a young asset. And in that case, I mean, CJ, BI, and Zion, if he's healthy, that is a contending team, I think. Um, in general, I think they need to upgrade the CJ McCollum and Jonas Valanciunas spots. Those guys are, you know, very solid, good NBA players, but just they're both starting to decline. The money's not great, and they're limiting them defensively, with which with Zion and Brandon Ingram, neither of whom are great defenders. Zion's a bad one. You need more support around that. You know, Dame wouldn't provide that, but at least he's like a supernova offensively. And they have guys on their team who can help with that. And Herb Jones and and Trey Murphy at least has length, even though he's not great on the defensive end. But I do think upgrading the CJ and the Jonas Valanciunas spot is something they have to do. I think, I mean, it seems like the ship might've sailed on this and Indiana just wants to keep Miles Turner. But if I were them a couple of years ago, I would have done everything that I could to get Miles Turner, someone like that, someone who can be a spacing rim protecting five, which 
obviously don't grow on trees. That's like <laughs> what everyone in the NBA wants, but having that next design, I think is, is essential. And yeah, we mentioned Trey Murphy. He's going to come up again when we do our 2021 redraft, because I think he's an absolute stud. He's a damn near 50, 40, 90 shooter at six, eight and with a 40 inch vertical and extremely long arms and spots up from 28 feet, not just like toes on the three point line. So yeah, I, I, they're one of the teams who I'm going to be most curious to watch this year, what they look like. They were one of the most fun teams to watch in the league for the first half of the year last year. And then once Zion got hurt, they became distinctly less watchable, but they have one of the more interesting sort of next three year paths of, of any team in the league. Yeah. So why not trim the veteran fat, no pun intended, of Zion, <laughs> CJ, Jonas, Valanciunas, and embrace all the other great players you've drafted in the last couple of years? They they have a lot of flexibility. Like in a couple, they, they I think Jordan Hawkins is like their longest lasting contract as of today. And in a couple of years, um, they could be a completely different roster depending on how they rearrange these puzzle pieces. Yeah. Uh, any any thoughts on Brooklyn? We touched on McCall Bridges. I'm just interested in Brooklyn um, because I just want to know if they intend on getting better or worse because both paths make some sense. I think worse probably makes a little bit more sense today. Who's their second best player? Cam Thomas isn't the prospect that I felt like he was a year ago. Uh, Nick Claxton shoots 40-something percent from the free throw line, and that makes him hard to play in the playoffs, even though I love him as a regular season center. I have no idea what they're thinking and both directions make some amount of sense. Yeah. They, they're kind of like very well positioned to build the sort of Allen Iverson style contender, where it's just like one lead scorer and then a bunch of these defensive pieces around him. They just don't have the one lead guy yeah. right last year. It was Spencer Dinwiddie kind of trying to fill that role. And that's, that's not where you'd like to be ideally as a, as a team that wants to, you know, make the playoffs and, and push, a round or two if they could get dame without giving up any of their starting players a lineup of dame cam johnson dfs mikhail bridges and nick claxton is is really interesting and that's kind of all the stuff you need to support dame on defense but i don't know i'm more of the mind that they should try to trade these guys because i think you can get i mean you can get a boatload of first round picks from mikhail bridges for sure you can get at least one for cam johnson or at least you could have gotten at least one for cam johnson last year now on his new contract i'm not sure what his value will be exactly but you could probably still get a first round pick for him and you could definitely get a first round pick for dorian finney smith i mean we saw how the mavs deed just fell off a cliff as soon as they traded him uh, the mavs would probably give you a first round pick to get him back if they have one to give so I'm more of the mind, you know, they don't have any of their own picks, which is a bit of a, makes them a bit of a weird rebuilding team because usually when you rebuild your best assets are being bad and having your own picks. They have, you know, some of Phillies, they have all of Phoenixes and Houston. Phoenix, who knows what's Houston, who knows what's going to happen with Phoenix. No, Houston has all of theirs. I sorry, think because the James Harden trade. Yeah. My first thought was Houston, but yeah, I really don't, I, if I'm Brooklyn, I think I would, trade off those pieces and try to, cause I think, you know, the ceiling of whatever this team is, I don't think you're, you're building anything that's better than like a five seed and, you know, in all honesty with what we're going into training camp this year, I don't know if I'd pick them to make the playoffs. They'd probably be like a low play in team for me, especially with some of the other improvement I expect to see from some of the East teams. So I think with that said, I know 
they just had like a nightmare over the last few years with the Kyrie KD situation. Maybe it'd be nice to just go into like a tank and not have to deal with the headache of chasing stars and all that. Cause I think Joe Sy probably has PTSD from his experience over the last few years, but yeah, I'm more of the mind that they should just gather assets, trade their guys, maybe keep Mikhail Cause he really does seem to have legit all-star potential, but the other guys, I think you can get multiple picks for. They were able to just put together all their picks to get Dame. And then they'd have like Dame bridges, Claxton, uh, Cam Johnson, and someone else dfs um first off it probably doesn't happen like that because the blazers aren't going to trade dame for zero players but even if that were somehow possible i think that dame would just be right back and kind of like his best blazers season type of team where maybe a bunch of guys get hurt and he somehow sneaks to an eastern conference finals but that even that's highly unlikely they're probably went around at best like you said around a five seed you can't get too caught up in the fact that you traded away a lot of your picks and suddenly not want to suck because sometimes it just makes more sense for you to suck. Um, but also maybe they want to have some self-respect and be in no man's land, which isn't the worst thing in the world. Like you can win two games against the one seed and have a fun round one for your fan base, make a little bit of money and go from there. If you're not quite sure you want to be so bad right away. Um, right. But yeah, it is it is just weird to see a team that has so many guys that would make a lot of sense on contenders. Um, McCall showed some star upside. I still believe that McCall is a second or third guy on a team with a real chance. My yeah. question for you, some sort of like Julius Randle for Ben Simmons, does that interest you at all? No, it doesn't. I, yeah, Ben Simmons, I'm just, I... I'll believe that he's an NBA player when I see him play an NBA game again um, and, you know, be able to average more than about seven, six and five, but no, yeah, I'm, I'm not trading Julius Randall for, for Ben Simmons. I still think Julius Randall can help you win regular season games. And yeah. we know Ben Simmons isn't good in the playoffs. So it's not like you're getting any upside there. Yeah. What I appreciate about Ben Simmons though, is like he quits on your team before the games start, you know, Julian, True. <laughs> Julius waits until you're in like an important part of the season and then he's not in the mood. <laughs> there might be there might be some team that can like take a chance on Ben Simmons and see if they can rehab him, but I don't know. He just seems so far gone. I don't know if there's really anything to be done there. The title of this episode will be Julius Randall for Ben Simmons trade talk. Uh and, <laughs> okay, let's get away from Brooklyn. Just quickly, do you have any Utah thoughts? My first thought is just trade Keontae. His stock will never be higher than it is today. <laughs> yeah, this one's more straightforward. They've got a great defensive foundation, I think, between Taylor Hendricks and Walker Kessler. And they've got a solid piece in Laurie Markkinen. We'll see about Keontae. I'm not quite buying it from Summer League. I think he was just hot, but we'll see. And, you know, they need their top flight star. The best way to do that is through the draft. So I think just keep tanking, keep amassing assets, uh, treat it like NBA 2K association mode or yeah. franchise mode. And, yeah, uh, that one's pretty straightforward. They're kind of like the rookie Nets. They have a lot of guys that look like they are going to be really good role players in time. And luckily, they're not paying them much yet. Yeah. I think that's what makes the Nets a little awkward. They already are paying Cam Johnson. They're already paying McCall Bridges. So it's like the clock is ticking on these really talented guys they have um, already. Whereas Utah, yeah, Utah has time. But they also have an absurd number of picks from a trade unlike any winning trade we've ever seen. 